a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden, an Aqua Teen Hunger Force exploration. I am Ronnie, Aqua Teen fan for nearly two-thirds of my life, and on this podcast we are watching, researching, talking about, and celebrating Aqua Teen Hunger Force one episode at a time, and the episode we are diving into this week is Season 2, Episode 20, the clowning. Oh, well, the rock your body, baby. <laughs> the clowning premiering December 7th, 2003. And this is a very exciting episode because we have our first real female character on the show, finally, all the way at the end of season two. And I'm sure some of you are like, wait a second, idiot. We had Svetlana in season one. Well, I don't really count her as a, as a proper character. I'll get into why later on in this episode. So very exciting here. It's, it's indisputable that this is the first female character that speaks English, all right? Will you settle with me on that? We have Hayden Ward showing up in this episode playing Carl's girlfriend. And for anybody wondering why I decided to delay this podcast episode, it was supposed to come out last week, but I held on to it until this week, is because I could find no information whatsoever on Hayden. And I'm like, all right, I cannot put this episode out and just say, oh, I don't know. She doesn't really have an IMDb. I couldn't do that, so with the generous help of Ned Hastings, MC Chris, and Dave Willis, I got more information on Hayden than I was expecting, and not only did Hayden play the first female character on Aqua Teen, but she's actually very, very, very pivotal to Aqua Teen ever being what it is, and I will get into that in the episode. Very, very excited to tell a little bit of Hayden's story, give her the credit that she deserves for what she did for the show. And really, I was just not expecting to find out what I did find out, and I am so glad that I delayed this episode for this information, because it's completely worth it. And as you know, just anytime I have any sort of exclusive information for you, I am so excited to share it, and that's exactly what we're going to be doing today. But before we get into that, you know we got some Aqua Teen news to discuss. Today, as I record this, the Aqua Teen Forever Plantasm trailer has been released. Now, what we got before and what we discussed before, I thought that was the trailer, but it wasn't. That was just like the announcement kind of thing where they showed some footage. This trailer is the real deal. It shows all sorts of scenes throughout the movie. We get a better idea of what the movie's going to look like what's going to be going on in the film, and we also get Run the Jewels doing their own theme song for the movie, which is incredible. I've been listening to it all day. I think I'm going to throw it on the end of this episode, so stick around for that if you haven't heard it yet. They really knocked it out of the park. Link to that in the show notes if you want to watch the trailer. I will not be going through right now everything that's in the trailer because everything in that trailer presumably will be in the film, and we will cover that film in depth over on the Patreon at some point in the future. So I'm not going to hyperfix it right now on, on what we get to see. Just go watch it. Go enjoy it. And I'm so stoked for the movie. And now if you're saying, ah, oh, fuck, Ronnie, I watched that trailer. I can't wait to see this film. I got to see it. I can't wait till November 8th. Well, I've got good news for you. If you are in the New York area or were planning on attending the New York Comic Con, Aqua Teen Forever Plantasm is actually having a screening there on Thursday, October 6th at 8.30 p.m. So a full month before the film comes out in any capacity, you can see it at the New York Comic Con. Now, I don't have the money for that kind of thing. I can't fucking afford to go there, but if you can, 
do it because I think that'll be a great time seeing this film in a theater setting with other people. And of course, I will let you know if there are any future screenings of the film beforehand as soon as I can find out. So again, that is October 6th at the New York Comic Con if you want to catch this movie ahead of time. Otherwise, I spotted Ned Hastings over at the Thunder Talk podcast these past few weeks. He was on two episodes where he goes into a bit about what it was like working on Aqua Teen, as well as some information on the film. If you want to check that out, that is the Thunder Talk podcast. Link to that in the show notes. Moving on to our community news, Cactus has left us a very interesting voicemail. Let me play you some of it. Hey, Ronnie, Cactus calling in again. I just had a question for you. Maybe you or the uh, listening audience could help me with this one because I've been wondering about it for a little while now because the MCP Pants lyrics say a hyperactive juice that only I can produce to fuel a giant drill to bore straight into hell, you know? And the lyrics imply that MCP Pants himself is the only one who can produce the hyperactive juice. But the episode has him... Uh, Loring, Meatwad, and Carl implying they can produce the hyperactive juice. But the lyrics of the song indicate that, you know, he wants his fans to bring him candy so then he can eat the candy so he can produce the juice. But the episode has him wanting the fans to eat a bunch of candy before they show up so they can produce the juice. You know, I mean, I'm definitely reading way too far into it. It's just meant to be a silly thing, but... Have a good one, Ronnie. Thanks for doing what you do. Cactus, thank you for this awesome voice message. This was really fun to dig into. So, hopefully I can be of assistance here. And Cactus is pointing out a specific lyric in the song, I Want Candy, that says, A hyperactive juice that only I can produce. Before we dig in, let's talk about songcraft a little bit, and let's talk about perspective. Looking at this song, it seems to be written from the first-person perspective. I mean, after all, the song is called I Want Candy. It says, I need candy. I'm talking licorice kisses. I'll kill you for some candy, okay? Very clearly from the first person perspective. Cactus seems to be looking at the song as if it's from MCP Pants' perspective, which is, you know, a possibility. We don't know. However, there is a line in the song that I think really sheds light on the situation. And that line is, and hawk the diet pills that MCP Pants has created. So to me, it seems strange that MCP Pants would have written this song from the first person perspective about himself, but then suddenly refer to himself in the third person. Now, I know rappers do this all the time, so I guess it's not a complete impossibility, but this is the only instance in the song where that happens, and it just stands out to me as being odd. So I think what's more likely is we put the song in the context of what happens in the episode, and that is that the song is written from the perspective not of MCP Pants, but of the listener of the potential Mark who is supposed to listen to the song, get the song stuck in their head, eat a bunch of candy, and then go see MCP Pants at 612 Wharf Avenue, which is exactly what happened to Carl and Meatwad. So I think that's much more likely. Occam's Razor states that the simplest solution is almost always the best, and I think that's the case here. I think it's more likely that the lyric is easy to misinterpret rather than the entire structure of the song and everything is completely off from the plot and premise of the episode. 
And to be completely transparent here, when Cactus sent me this message and I listened to it and I was reading the lyrics, I was totally on his side. But again, once I took a step back and really just looked at the perspective of the song, I think it kind of makes sense what's going on here. And in case you're a new listener, of course, I know that MCP Pants, the character, did not write this song. MC Chris did. And I actually did an interview with Chris where we touched on the writing of this song and how he went about coming up with it with Matt and Dave. So if you haven't heard my interview with MC Chris, Check the show notes. Go give that bad boy a listen. Of course, thank you, Cactus, for this awesome voice message. It was really fun digging into this. And if you would like to send in your own voice message, your Aqua Teen origin story, a question about the show, a story about the show, how it affected your life, or anything else Aqua Teen related you got, send it my way, speakpipe.com slash dancing is forbidden, or check the link in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you. That is it for our Aqua Teen news, our community news this week. Of course, I'll have more for you next week. Until then, let's jump in and check out what the heck was happening the week that the clowning premiered. Getting captured during its first battle and brought all the way to the top of the box office this week, we have The Last Samurai bringing in a cool $24 million dollars. This week alone, you know we got Tom Cruise in this flick. And don't worry, Tom Cruise, he is not the last samurai, uh, thankfully. Samurai in this title is actually plural, and it's referring to the clan that the film is basically about. This is a film where Tom Cruise, he's got to go, he's got to whip those Japanese into shape, teach them how to fight, and then stuff goes wrong, he gets kidnapped. Oh my god, Ronnie, I know you're asking, who kidnaps him? Well, I'll tell you, he gets kidnapped by some other Japanese people who are against this westernization of Japan. Well, joke's on them. They kidnap Tommy C. Next thing you know, this motherfucker's speaking Japanese. He's a Japanophile. How the tables have turned. I wonder if he would read manga if this film were set in a more modern time. That is The Last Samurai, give or take a few things. That film is sporting a nice 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb and a 66% on Rotten Tomatoes. I've seen this movie. I don't think I saw the whole thing, but I've definitely seen some of it. Remember, it's pretty decent, and it was pretty fun looking into it, watching the trailer. What a wild ride. And I know you're saying, Ronnie, there's gotta be shared cast and or crew between The Last Samurai and Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Well, I am here to slash your dreams in half with my katana because guess what? No shared cast or crew. Moving over to television now on December 2nd, so five days before this episode of Aqua Teen premieres, we have The Simple Life debuting on Fox. The premise of that show being two rich girls, Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie. They got to go live and, you know, I don't know, be with a, a family who's not rich, live on a farm and, and do that kind of thing. So you watch all the hilarity ensue when they don't know basically how to live a, a normal life. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because I remember seeing this as a kid quite a bit, but I don't remember that much about it. But I thought it'd be kind of fun to touch on a little bit. And looking into it, according to IMDb, Aqua Teen and The Simple Life share a composer, and that composer, I, I'm sorry, I'm probably going to mispronounce this name, but is Udi Harpaz. However, when I checked some of the episodes that IMDb said that Udi composed on, I didn't actually see his name in the end credits of the episode, so I'm not entirely sure what the case is there. I assume maybe he wrote some stock music that was used on the show and then later went back and credited himself or something along those lines. But okay, that's enough film and television. Let's give a sweet little listen to the number one album 
this week. Top of the Billboard Top 200 album charts this week, we have Britney Spears with In The Zone. This album selling over 600,000 copies in its first week alone. And that song you heard, of course, it's toxic. Britney Spears, she went ahead and wrote a song about all of my online video game teammates. I can't believe that she did that for me. So nice. And something I was surprised about that song, Toxic, is how it doesn't sound outdated, which is kind of crazy. I feel like as time moves on now, media from 20 years ago doesn't seem that old like it would have in 2003. If you were listening to music from 1983 or watching something from 1983, you would see a stark difference between the qualities in terms of production values and all that kind of stuff. But this song, Toxic, it's like that could have been written today for the most part. It doesn't sound that old to me, but maybe that's just the power of Britney Spears. I don't know. Back to this album as a whole, though, In The Zone, it has a 3.08 out of 5 on RateYourMusic.com, which is quite high, especially for pop music, and this being her first album to crack the 3.0 rating on, on Rate Your Music. All of her stuff before this isn't rated as well, which makes sense. You know, she was younger then, just doing typical pop music. In 2003, at this point, Britney, she's growing up a little bit more and doing a little bit more interesting things that hold up a little bit better than her earlier stuff. And according to RateYourMusic.com, this is her third best album. And the album cover on this one, it's just Britney's face, which I guess you could expect. That's most of her album covers. There's a blue tint on it. And I'm thinking, wow, how lucky is Britney? Imagine having a face that you are confident just putting a close-up of your face as your album cover. Let me tell you, if this podcast artwork was a close-up of my face, you'd have uninstalled your podcast app by now. So Britney Spears, she's a lucky lady. Actually, in retrospect, if you, if you know anything about Britney Spears, I, I don't think I'd call her lucky. Uh, I mean, just listen to, to her song, Lucky. I think she kind of explains it there, even though I don't think she writes any of her songs. Anyways, that is our top album this week, In the Zone by Britney Spears. She is in the zone. She's making some damn good music on that record. Let's give a little listen here to our top track this week. When I move, you move. When I move, you move. When I move, you move. Don't worry, I'm sure you had a major case of deja vu. It's not deja vu. Our track this week is Stand Up by Ludacris featuring Shauna. And if that sounds familiar, or I'm sure it sounds familiar because it's a big song, but if it sounds recently familiar, that is because we already played that song over on our coverage of The Shaving because that week, this Ludacris album, Chicken and Beer, not Chicken and Beans, a little uh, Aqua Teen joke for you, Chicken and Beer, that was the top album the week that we covered The Shaving. Well, now this song itself, Stand Up From That Album, is the top track. So we already talked a little bit about it there. Go listen to the coverage of The Shaving if you want to hear a little bit more about that. Our top alternative track this week is Numb, again, by Linkin Park. And we're going to be hearing about this song for the rest of season two, because this song, it's, it's got a staying power in the alternative charts. Rightfully so. It's a great song. So that is it for our music this week. Let's head on over to video games. And I have one very specific game I am very excited to talk about. Let me set the stage. 
in, loser. We're going to Falador because on December 1st, 2003, we have RuneScape 2 going into beta. And if you don't know what any of those words mean, it's all right. I'm about to break it down for you. RuneScape is a point-and-click fantasy game, and it is an MMORPG, which stands for Massively Multiplayer Online Role-Playing Game, which means that you're playing with a bunch of other people. RuneScape is also a browser game, which means that you don't have to download anything to play it. You just go to runescape.com and then you can start playing. Now, up until this point, RuneScape, the graphics were pretty crude. They were essentially 2D. And what's going on here with this RuneScape 2 business, which is what happened on December 1st, is that they are bringing the game to a full 3D engine. So it just looks a lot better than it did before. Beyond that, they overhauled some stuff, changed some stuff, which they have been doing since the game came out in 2001. This version of RuneScape is the version that I played very, very heavily while in middle school. My name on the game then was X Creeper X, Creeper with a K, and Creeper was a brand of skateboard truck. Trucks on a skateboard are the thing that basically connect the wheels to the board. And I thought those trucks looked really, really cool, and so I named my character after them. But I had to add an X before and after because just Creeper was taken. Pretty cool name, right? Feel free to steal it, because guess what? Some other kid in middle school did as well. He found out about my name, and then he made his name x creeper x one to touch really quickly on the fact that this is going into beta that means that the game is not actually out yet you have to be a paying member of the game to try the beta the game is free to play so you don't have to pay for the subscription but if you actually want to play the game you kind of do because you're if you don't pay for the subscription you're only getting like five percent of the content but of course as a poor kid back in the day without a powerful pc this was my bread and butter, and it wasn't just mine, it was everybody's. This was all over my school, it spread like wildfire, and I'm sure if you're a similar age to me, you experienced something similar as well. RuneScape 2 was just a very important game to me, so cool to see that this is when it goes into beta, this is when it starts to roll out. The game would fully come out in March of 2004, but I figured it'd be fun to talk about it now. To wrap up my RuneScape story, I decided when I was 20 years old to do right by my 12-year-old self, and with my good friends, we started playing the game again, because guess what? This game is so popular, even though over the years the game has evolved into what is now known as RuneScape 3, which has way better graphics, they've changed the game just substantially over the years, due to popular demand, the company that makes RuneScape actually brought back, more or less, this version of the game that came out this week in Aqua Teen history. It just has proven to be so popular that when I was 20, I went back and played it with my friends and actually, you know, paid for the subscription. I got to experience all the stuff I never did as a kid, had a good time with it, and, you know, that game is just still going strong 20 years later. So, all right, it's Sunday night, December 7th, 2003. Earlier in the day, you saw Tommy Cruz speaking Japanese in The Last Samurai. It was a good flick. It had some historical stuff in it. You feel like your life is better because you saw it. Tommy Cruz, he's got that effect on you. You're also rocking out to that new Britney Spears CD. You can hear her sound maturing a little bit. She's no longer getting hit one more time. She's toxic, motherfucker. And you're going to be hearing that song daily for the next 20 years, and you're not even going to be mad about it. Otherwise, you've been grinding that RuneScape 2 beta for the past week, but you got to take a break. Your fingers, they're getting arthritic. It's getting late in the night. You got school tomorrow. Oh, shit. Adult Swim's coming on. What do we got? Kicking us off at 11 p.m., 
you know, we got Aqua Teen Hunger Force. It's dick swinging, open in the night yet again with the clowning. Of course, a new episode. Why else? Are we here if not for a new Aqua Teen episode? 11.15 p.m. C-Lab 2021 with Red Dawn. Also a new episode. 11.30 p.m. Space Goes Coast to Coast in memory of Elizabeth Reed. A new episode as well. That is our new episode lineup with Aqua Teen, C-Lab, and Space Ghost. A little bit on that Space Ghost episode, by the way. In memory of Elizabeth Reed is an instrumental composition by the Allman Brothers Band. And that episode features William Shatner as a guest. Before we head on with the rest of our lineup for this night, I want to talk really quickly about the Aqua Teen Volume 1 DVD set and the Space Ghost Volume 1 DVD set that we talked about in a previous episode because those sets are still very new. In fact, they came out in the U.S. on November 18th, 2003, so just a couple weeks ago in our timeline. And we got a bump during this night because on YouTube you can see some of the bumps that aired this night, I believe during Mission Hill and the Oblongs. And the bump says, how are the DVDs selling? And they go to give us sales numbers. They tell us that Aqua Teen Hunger Force, the volume one disc, they've sold 50,000 sets of that already. And Space Ghost, they sold 31,000 sets. So that's kind of striking here. You would expect, you know, Space Ghost was going on for longer. It was the show that kicked off Adult Swim, but Aqua Teen sold more DVD sets. And I think that goes to, you know, just show the power of Aqua Teen for the network, not only at that time, but how I think important it is still now. In fact, I heard J. Wade Edwards, producer, editor on the show recently on a podcast talking about how a sizable chunk of Adult Swim's revenue was Aqua Teen DVDs, not just at this point, but for the next few years when the DVD boom was really going on. So, all right, that was our little DVD chat. Let's head back into our lineup. Again, we had Aqua Teen, C-Lab, Space Ghost as our new episodes. Now moving on to old episodes. We have 11.45 p.m. with The Brack Show, Shadows of Heat. Midnight, we get The Oblongs with Flush Flush, Sweet Helga. 12.30 a.m., we get Mission Hill, Andy and Kevin Make a Friend, or One Bang for Two Brothers. Uh, that's an episode where both the brothers, Andy and Kevin, they are both crushing on the same girl. At 1 a.m., we get Blue Gender with Adagio. Uh, maybe that's how you pronounce that. I have no idea. 1.30 a.m., we get Rain the Conqueror with The Thunder of Battle. So that is our lineup tonight. Aqua Teen, C-Lab, Space Ghost, Brack Show, Oblong, Mission Hill, Blue Gender, and Rain the Conqueror. Solid lineup. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to talk about some Aqua Teen. I know I promised you some exclusive information. Let's talk about the clowning. Check it out. Check it out. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is brought to you by Circus Place. Located in Hillsborough, New Jersey, Circus Place offers a full array of circus classes for all ages, abilities, and fitness levels. Enter exclusive promo code I want to rock your body in parentheses till the break of dawn while signing up for the clowning and physical comedy class for a free red clown wig. Again, that promo code is I want to rock your body, parentheses, till the break of dawn. I would not recommend wearing the wig, but it is free and you will have it. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is also, as always, brought to you by the powerful Moon Masters over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden for going their clowning classes to have some extra money to help support this podcast. Forgoing their clowning and physical comedy class, this week we have Luak signing on at the $5 duffel bag of cash tier. 
And because of this selfless sacrifice, Luak is now getting access to seven full episodes so far of our deep dives into the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters. That's right, over seven hours of talking about the film, and we're not even done yet. And besides that, Luak is also getting to listen to some exclusive episodes, deep diving into other Adult Swim shows like C-Lab 2021, The Brack Show, and The Oblongs. If you are in any Aqua Teen Hunger Force fan groups, then you might have seen some of Luak's art because Luak was posting up some really cool, scary Aqua Teen art that they are working on, and I think it's fantastic. This art was also posted in the Dancing is Forbidden Discord server, which I should shout out again, because that place has been popping off. I can barely even keep up with it some days. There's so much chatter amongst other listeners of the show. So if you want to say hi to your fellow listeners, if you want to come chat with me, head on over to the Dancing is Forbidden Discord server. It's free to sign up. Link to that in the show notes. And of course, a disclaimer, Luwak isn't the only one posting fantastic art on the Discord. It seems like half the listeners on this podcast are goddamn accomplished artists. I can't believe it. Coming up next, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. The Clowning premiering December 7th, 2003 with a TV14DL rating for suggestive dialogue and infrequent course language. This one really deserves it. This episode gets into some, uh, let's say, naughty territory, but I'm excited to get into it because we haven't gotten a whole lot of that on the show up until this point. Production code on this one is 220, and this is the 20th episode of season two. So no surprise there. We are back on track with our production codes and guest starring on this one. We have, of course, Hayden Ward as Carl's girlfriend, the first female speaking role on the show. We will get into that when she pops up in the episode. And also Matt Malero doing the styrofoam head that we see throughout the episode. Not super excited getting into this one because there are some scenes where English is not spoken, but a character is speaking. So I'll have to read that to you. Never fun when we got to do that on the podcast, but that's what's going on. And otherwise, this is a great episode, so I can forgive it. So, all right, let's dive in here. We have our Dr. Weird skit. Steve is on the phone ordering the guys some lunch. And then just randomly, Dr. Weird, we'll see him with his hand stuck up his ass. We see him in this really funny pose. He's basically, we see him from front on, but he's kind of bending back with his hand up his ass. And eventually his ass will eat his entire body, leaving behind this really strange looking just just ball of flesh, I guess. It's really difficult to explain. Let's give it a listen. Uh, yeah. Uh, six inch on wheat. Um, no mayo. Uh, hang on. Uh, Dr. Weird? My ass has finally decided to eat my hand! It hungers for more! Uh, yeah, just the one hoagie. <laughs> Steve, he's not even phased by this. He just goes back to his phone call here. And this is a blue phone that I don't believe we've seen before. Interesting that they are not using the phone from the opening of Total Recarl where they send in the phone spiders. This is a different phone from that one. So I guess maybe they've upgraded at some point. And speaking of other Dr. Weird openings, of course, this is just super reminiscent of Frat Aliens, the previous episode we covered and the previous episode, of course, to air where Steve comes in with 
his lunch. He has a hoagie in his hand, which is a sandwich. He's got a sandwich there, and Dr. Weird's like, oh, you, you didn't get any for me? So now they are getting lunch together. So I really love the continuity here. So back to this episode, though, we have just this flesh ball ultimately on the ground because Dr. Weird's ass just eats him. And there's a little bit of his purple cloak just sticking out of it. So it's a really funny drawing here. You're, you'll definitely want to take a peek at this one because words don't do it justice. Now is a perfect time to mention that we actually get a commentary track with this one on the Volume 3 DVD, and they reveal the inspiration behind this Dr. Weird skit. Basically, it spawns from a joke that Dave and Matt had that they were making about somebody that they worked with. They had a vision of the guy with his hand up his ass, that kind of thing. So that's where this really spawned from. So, all right, moving into our episode proper, we've got some visual things going on that I will have to set up ahead of time. So... Our first shot of the episode, we just see Carl's feet. He's wearing his his flip-flops. He's walking over to the Aqua Teen's house, and then we hear him ring the doorbell. Door opens. We just see Frylock at that point, and then we see Frylock. He's kind of uh, shocked here, and then he goes on to say that Carl is looking good today. Finally, we see Carl from the waist up, and we see that he's got this long, beautiful brown hair coming off his head. Unfortunately, though, things aren't perfect for Carl because in our upcoming clip, after all that stuff goes down, we will then see his house, which is just completely destroyed by termites. The wood is being eaten away and there are just large holes throughout the wall that will come into the plot later on. So Carl's house is just fucked. But because of his hairdo, he's not letting it get to him. Let's check it out. Oh, hey, Carl. Hey, man, you're looking good today. You lost some weight, didn't you? Maybe a couple pounds, you know. You're here about the termites, aren't you? Oh, yeah, partly. <laughs> Certainly not going to sign for any more packages with the word Congo written in blood. You heard some wood just falling off of his house. Again, it's just completely destroyed. He apparently got a package that said Congo written in blood, and he foolishly accepted it. I don't know why Carl would do this. Maybe he was just on such a high because of his new hairdo, which is obviously a wig, because as we know, Carl is, is balding. I really can't explain wh why he would have done that, but he did it. He accepted the package. I wasn't familiar if Congo was specifically known for termites, so I looked it up, and I guess, you know, it does have termites, which isn't, uh, isn't surprising necessarily, but I found a website called Europe Entomophagy. I don't know how to pronounce this, but they sell termites that you can eat. They are washed, frozen, and dehydrated in the Democratic Republic of Congo, where they are harvested in the wilderness. So, I mean, Congo, they're selling termites to eat. It's not completely unrealistic that they would sell live termites. Not sure why it was written in blood on the box, but uh, ultimately, you know, Carl only has himself to blame here. He should have known better. And by the way, back to this website, uh, according to the description here, these red termites that you can buy taste surprisingly like bacon, and they are less than seven euros to buy. Not too bad. Moving on in our scene now, Meatwad is going to jump into the mix. He's going to ask if his termite showed up. Carl's like, yeah, take your pick. And then Meatwad's going to head over to Carl's house and try and find Bobby. Did the termites come? I want to name mine Bobby. Hey, come over and take your pick, please. There's millions to choose from. <laughs> oh, Bobby, come here, boy. <laughs> come on, boy. Well, we'll just take Bobby off your hands. You can handle the rest, right? Fine, you know, whenever. Come here. 
Just, you know, before the house disappears. I gotta say, Carl, you're taking this pretty well. Usually a little more pissed off when we pull stuff like this. Well, I don't lose my cool as much anymore. I've kind of gone through some changes in the past 24 hours. You know what? Good for Carl here. I really like his attitude. It's very admirable. I wish I could inherit this cool Carl aura that he has about him. To the dialogue, I love Frylock saying, oh, well, we'll take Bobby off your hands and you can take care of the rest, right? So, I love how they had to order like millions of termites just because Meatwad wanted one. And I don't know why Frylock would allow that. I assume Frylock had to do this, right? There's no way Meatwad would know how to do this. And it's very shocking because Frylock basically admits that he knew that this was happening. He's like, oh, usually when we do stuff like this, you get pretty mad. Not necessarily that he knew. It's possible Frylock had nothing to do with this. But to me, it really seems like he did. I can't imagine any other possibility. And it just kind of shows that Frylock, he's not always on the up and up. He's not always a goody two-shoes. On to what Meatwad is doing. He just rolls over to Carl's house and you hear him just calling for Bobby. Come here, Bobby. Now, I know Aqua Teen is known as a stoner show. And most of my viewing at the show was when I was a in middle school, when I was a kid. So obviously, well, I guess that's not obvious, but unsurprisingly, I was sober for that. Most of my time with this show has never involved drugs or an altered state of mind in any way, including when I make this podcast. So when people write the show off as just something to watch when you're high or like you have to be a stoner to enjoy the show, I probably get more upset than I should, right? I shouldn't care about that. I should have a Carl attitude about it, but usually I don't. However... I absolutely don't dispute that being high and watching the show is definitely a good time. And a week ago, I had that exact experience with this specific scene. So look, edibles are legal in the great state of Minnesota, all right? So put your phone down. You don't need to feed me no BS about just cleaning the dials. I don't care how dirty they are. Put that phone down. So the other day, I pop an Eddie a little bit before going to bed. And in a glowing example of my creativity, I decided to watch, drumroll, Aqua Teen, right? You know, the show I already spend most of my time obsessing over every week on this podcast. Because why not? What else is there to watch? So I'm in bed with my wife, and she has work the next day, so she's trying to sleep. And I put on the clowning. And on this scene with Meatwad, I just absolutely lose it. In that moment, it's just the funniest thing in the world to me is Meatwad just standing there by himself. Come on, Bobby. And then we go through the conversation with Carl and Frylock, and you still hear Meatwad in the background. And I am trying to hold this just ginormous laughter in, which doesn't work, right? I think I'm being slick, but in reality, I'm just kind of like silently convulsing, trying to keep my laughter down, which as you know, you're human. That just makes you want to laugh even more and makes the whole situation even funnier. And my wife is just like, what the fuck are you doing? What's happening? And I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm trying to watch Aqua Teen. I'll turn it off. So I had to turn it off. I made it about, eh, you know, a minute or so, not even into this episode before I had to turn it off. So I really just love this scene of Meatwad standing there. Come on, Bobby. Come on, boy. <laughs> it's just the funniest thing in the whole world to me. But all right, there is our first segment of Weed Talk on this podcast. We are 38 deep dives in, and we finally got to it. So, so there's that. It was just a really, I, I want to say transcendent experience it was just the funniest fucking thing in the world and it still is even even when i'm not high it's still fucking so funny but all right let's move on with our scene we've got meatwad looking for bobby we've got carl his house is destroyed but he's he's in a good mood about it because he's looking good he lost a couple pounds you know he changed some stuff up about himself he's not gonna let the little things like his entire house being ruined get to him I gotta wonder if Frylock is being sincere when he's like, oh, you're looking good. You know, what, what's different about you? I, I assume he has to know, right? I mean, there's no possible way. But it is Aqua Teen, so you, you can never quite be sure. 
Also, visually, Carl is just like padding his hair and stuff. He's playing with his hair a lot. So he's really trying to uh, get this new hairdo across, even though no one is explicitly talking about it or mentioning it. Moving on to our next clip now, Carl is going to ask for a hairbrush because obviously he didn't have one. What need did he really have for one? And Frylock will reveal the Aqua Teens are bald, so they don't have one either. But Miwad will come up and he will offer up his brush he pulls right out of his head, which is a dirty toilet bowl brush, which is so, so depraved. It's so funny to me. And then Master Shake will come up offering some chicken bones that he can use. So let's hear how all this plays out. Do you have a brush I could borrow? You know what? We don't. We're all, uh, bald. I got no one. I use this for my teeth. Oh my hair. Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I live next to a third world hellhole. Never mind. Well, wait a minute, Carl, I got you know what you need. Here, here's a rib cage from a chicken I didn't eat. Now you know, cavemen would actually use this to straighten their hair in the hey, old hey, days. Hey, no! No one touches this mane with a freaking chicken bone. This cost me plenty. I mean, it's natural hair, but I mean, you know. <laughs> So I'm going to cut in here in that scene, Shake, is he's getting closer and closer to Carl. I don't know if he's insinuating that he's going to brush Carl's hair with a chicken bone, which is uh, a little interesting. I'd like to see that. But what stuck out to me of what Shake said is here's the rib cage from a chicken I didn't eat. I don't know if he means that he didn't eat the chicken. He just found like the bones or it means that he decided not to eat the rib cage, insinuating that he normally eats the bones, which is very strange. But given that this is an Aqua Teen character, he's a he's a milkshake. Anything is possible here. Carl is pretending that this hair is natural, that it is not a wig, but he is very quickly now going to admit that it is indeed fake. I mean, obviously, and Shake will be impressed by this. He's trying to stress test the wig. He will hold a lighter up to Carl's head to see how it does. It, it came from an animal. Can, can you tell it's fake? Really? It's fake? <laughs> sure, yeah, that's fake. Bro, you stupid? Look out. That's some damn space age material you hey, got. put the flame away. <laughs> Y'all are being rude to our only neighbor. Now stop You're it. being rude to me. Don't chain me down with your manners. <laughs> All right, I guess I'll go buy a brush. You can buy this one. I swore I had one from middle school. It's going to end up in your lawn anyway. <laughs> so that is Shake grabbing Meatwad's toilet brush throwing it on the ground in a rage and then it there's like a delay and then it explodes and everyone's kind of shocked by it even shake jumps back when it happens like i like how they're having the characters acknowledge that stuff just explodes but obviously nobody talks about it or asks about it or anything like that they just are kind of scared by it but then they just go on with their lives Love the line of Meatwad saying, of course it's fake what are you stupid or something along those lines and yeah i think really with frylock he kind of admits here so uh, as to what I said earlier, Frylock obviously does know that this is a wig. He's just trying to be polite to Carl and not acknowledge it. So Frylock, he's a real stand-up guy, even though I suspect he ordered all those termites to Carl's house. So all right, we're about to get our first scene change of the episode now. But to recap everything that happened here, we have Carl. He's got a new wig on. He's trying to get a brush from the Aqua Teens, but they don't have one because they are all bald. Well, Meatwad has one, but that's not one you'd want to use. So Carl walks back to his house which again is infested by termites. Again, the termite situation will come back into the episode, but it's established that the Aqua Teens ordered them because Meatwad wanted one that he was going to name Bobby, but he didn't actually get one. We never see Meatwad with a termite throughout the rest of the episode, so pretty funny that there's just this random plot device, really, to have holes in Carl's house, which we will explore later. So in our next scene, Carl is in his bedroom now, which we haven't really been to in a while. And he is reading a magazine called Predator. We don't see the cover, but we see the title. It says Predator and the magazine is green. 
We can kind of see some of the words in the magazine. Now, they are blurred out, but I can make out words such as hoe and fucking ass, which is very, very surprising. Because, again, you know, they couldn't have normally shown these words on television, but because they're all blurred out, apparently nobody caught it. I want to point out, too, that it looks like it's just the same sentence copied and pasted the entire time, but I can't see the entire sentence, so I'm not going to bother trying to make out what the full thing says, but I can see definitely an F-bomb in there. Which, as you will know, is not the first time they snuck an F-bomb into the show because we had Total Recarl, where, where Carl, his head was hooked up to the computer, and for a brief moment, you could see a bunch of swear words and F-bombs. So Carl is reading the Predator magazine, and he is rehearsing lines from it. He's got some newfound confidence due to his wig, or rather, uh, I guess, toupee, you would say. I'm not really sure on the on the definition here. But Carl's got his new hair. He's confident. He wants to try and get a woman. He is practicing some lines. But interestingly enough, what he is practicing from this magazine is a stark difference, not only from what we can see on the page, which is to be expected, but also from the name of the magazine. It's called Predator Magazine. That doesn't really have a good connotation to it. But the stuff he is rehearsing from the magazine doesn't seem that bad. It seems actually somewhat decent advice, but Carl will quickly ditch the magazine. He will go off script and just start dropping whatever he thinks he should be saying. He's saying this, of course, in the mirror in his bedroom, and then Shake just appears in the scene, which Carl is kind of startled by that Shake's just in his room. I couldn't help but notice we made eye contact. I really like your shoes. Try laughter. Laughter is a good use. Screw that. This is lame. <laughs> hey, I saw you checking out my goods. You want to sample them? A little try before you buy, huh? Come here, bitch. Stand and deliver. Come here, bitch. Please. Be polite. How did you freaking get in here? Powers. <laughs> I have them. Powers. I have them. I, I forgot to mention that on Carl's dresser where his mirror is, there is the the wig holder. It is just a styrofoam head, which will come into the plot fairly soon. And in the interim here, I did look up wig versus toupee. A wig is what Carl has. It's like the full set of hair. A toupee is more to cover a bald spot. It's a smaller thing. But back to the clip at hand, I am just so shocked that this is what's in Predator Magazine. I feel like they should change their name if this is the kind of advice they're giving. It's a little bit misleading to call this Predator. But that's what it's called. And Carl, regardless, does not like the information being given. He goes off script and does his own thing. And it's kind of funny that we're covering this now because over on the Patreon, on our seventh deep dive into the 2007 film, we kind of touch on, you know, getting getting a girlfriend and stuff. So we see the seeds of that here before they explore it a bit more in the 2007 film and throughout Aqua Teen's entire run, really. So obviously what Carl does of his own volition here, you know, come here, bitch, stand and deliver, is not how you should talk to anybody. And Shakes pops in and he's like, please. He thinks just adding a please to that is going to make it appropriate. So back to that styrofoam head on Carl's dresser, Shake is going to notice it. Then we get this kind of weird, just really ambiguous moment that I could not tell what is supposed to be happening. So Shake is going to be like, oh, so it was a wig. And they're, they're going to go back and forth on that. Carl's like, yeah, no shit it is. But it's strange to me because in the previous scene, it was established to Shake that it was a wig because Shake tried to, you know, set it on fire. And then he said, wow, that's some space age material. Now, in this clip that is coming up, Shake will say, well, yeah, I knew it was a wig. I'm not stupid. But I just genuinely can't tell if he knew or not. I really don't know. Oh, so it was a rug. Of course it's a rug. Yeah, I freaking grew it overnight. <laughs> 
Yeah, I knew it. I'm not <laughs> dumb. I'm just making conversation with you. Well, make it on your way out, okay? All right, look, I've dealt with a lot of rugs before. The number one thing you don't want to do is wear it to bed because you will swallow it. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Now get out of here. And you don't want to pass that thing. Let me get tell you. Get out of here. A funny visual error that doesn't make sense at the end of that clip there is Carl yells at Shake, get out of here. And so Shake starts leaving, but Shake goes basically into Carl's bathroom because Carl's door is right by the mirror on the left side of it. And Shake walks well past that. And it's just one of those fun staging issues that you see that they have that in order to make it look like Shake is actually leaving, they have to have him not actually leave in, in a sense, just because it'd be too weird to have him walk like three steps and then go out the door of the bedroom. It's easier just to have him literally just walk away and that's what happens here. Although I should mention it is totally possible that there is a door from the bathroom to the hallway where Shake left from. That could make sense. We get a lot of discussion from Shake about, you know, don't sleep with this. It's not going to be good. You'll swallow it, which is actually something I'm always afraid of doing myself. I always sleep with headphones in and I usually listen to a comedy album or, or a TV show or something. And I'm always afraid it's going to slip out of my ear that I will swallow it in my sleep. Looking it up here, that has happened to somebody. A man swallowed one of his wireless earbuds while sleeping and he had to get it removed from his esophagus. Otherwise, I am also seeing lots of stories about people putting the earbuds in their mouths just for some reason, then accidentally swallowing them. And some people, they just pass it, no problem. Other people got to go to the hospital. Not sure if this will change my habits. But again, as I was saying, we do get a lot of discussion from Shake and Carl about sleeping with the wig. Carl goes to take the wig off now that Shake is gone, and he can't get it off. It's just stuck to his head. Carl is going to walk into the bathroom to try and get this thing off in there, and then the camera will focus in on the mannequin head that is sitting on Carl's dresser, the styrofoam head, and then the screen will start to go red, and the styrofoam head will reveal that it actually has these green snake-like eyes and this really scary mouth. It opens its mouth, we see all its jagged, sharp teeth, so you will hear some scary music at the end of the clip. That's what's going on. Damn it. Frickin' come. You got the Boston box set. I'm just gonna borrow this, okay? No, don't touch it. <laughs> Damn it. This is a friggin' pry ball. So we hear Shake. He is, I assume, downstairs going through Carl's stuff. He's gonna borrow the Boston box set. I assume we've talked about Boston at some point on this show, but Boston, they are a very famous classic rock band. They started in the 70s. They're still going strong today, known most famously for their song, More Than a Feeling, which of course is a great song. So Shake is nabbing that Boston box set. I'm surprised he's even telling Carl that he's taking this. You figured he would just take it and not say anything. But Shake, he's kind of looking out for Carl in this episode. He he hammered on about, you know, don't fall asleep with that thing. He actually cares about Carl's well-being. So after that, of course, we get the scary shot of the styrofoam head. And obviously, we'll get back to that throughout the episode. Our next clip now, we have Carl sleeping with the wig on, but the wig looks different. Now, instead of brown and kind of feathery, the hair is a darker color and it is a curlier texture than before. But Shake is going to wake up Carl like, hey, man, why are you sleeping with this thing? Are you still asleep? <laughs> now, listen up. You were playing a deadly game wearing that wig to bed. You want to wake up hanging from it? How did you get in here? Science fiction! Whoa, whoa, 
was my head this curly last night. Why, are you fishing for compliments? <laughs> you know, that's a horrible personality trait. Nobody no, likes No, 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 look at my hair. Sexy rocket a little harder now, yeah. <laughs> Your hair, it's always about what you have and you own. Well, know this. If you're an object, don't ever cross me. I proved it to your CD, I proved it to your window, and I proved it to your record player and your lawnmower. And I will prove it to anything else. <laughs> I know. That is Carl throwing Shake out of his window. It's been a while since we've seen anything thrown out of Carl's window. I think uh, maybe since season one. I'm not entirely sure there, but... I love Shake being like, oh, that's a bad trait or something like that. Like he's trying to be a mature adult to Carl, even though Carl is in the right to talk about his hair because it does look different. But Shake just isn't interested in talking about anyone but himself. So he just goes like, oh, you shouldn't talk about yourself or what you have, even though that's mostly what Shake does. I guess he's the only one who's allowed to do that. But Shake reveals that he has broken a bunch of Carl's stuff, like his CD. I assume that would be one of the Boston CDs from the box set that he was uh, asking about the day before, or rather saying that he was taking the day before. And then he says that he ruined Carl's record player, his lawnmower, his window. But Carl had enough. Carl actually likes his hair like this. I think the first phase of the wig looked better than this one, but I guess that's just super subjective. I'm glad Carl likes it. That's all that matters. And we are going to hear more about how Carl likes his new wig in this next clip. He's going to go on about it a little bit. He wants to get dressed up. He's looking good, feeling good. But then we are going to get the styrofoam head talking because Carl is going to go into his bathroom and the styrofoam head will start to talk. And then Carl will kind of react to that. And I will mention again, of course, this is Matt Malero doing the voice of the styrofoam head. Man, I am looking good. Need to get that screaming for vengeance shirt and score. Big time. The clowning has begun. <laughs> the, someone say something. <laughs> Hello? Yeah, friggin' event. Prepare to scream for vengeance, ladies! Carl blaming that noise on the air vent. When the styrofoam head does talk, the light goes red again and it grows its eyes and mouth, or not grows, but shows them. But then when Carl peeks back in, when he's like, what was that? The light goes back to, a, to the normal lighting color and the styrofoam head again just looks like its normal default self. And then Carl leaves again and, and the eyes and the mouth make their reappearance and the light turns red again. So before we carry on with the styrofoam head, I want to mention really quickly that Carl mentions his Screaming for Vengeance shirt. And Screaming for Vengeance is an album by the band Judas Priest. The record was released in 1982 and has the band's hit single, You've Got Another Thing Coming. There's also a song on the album called Screaming for Vengeance, but I wanted to hear another thing coming, so I played that instead. Great song, great band, you know, they're, those guys are getting up in age now, but they're still putting out music and it's like harder than ever. They just never failed to impress me and Judas Priest is a band I need to spend some more time with. I need to listen to some more of those albums. So alright, we are going to move into the Styrofoam Head talking, and he will be talking to this strange floating clown head thing. 
we see what appears to be this android kind of clown head appear, and it has like a spine hanging down from its head with a, a flame blasting out of the bottom of the spine, like where the neck would kind of end. So that's how it floats. Of course, that flame, you know, it's the classic Aqua Teen Space Ghost campfire flame that they use all over the place. But this clown, it has this kind of like green eye that is is jutting out of its head similar to a camera lens. And then its its right eye is what looks like a, a camera shutter kind of thing. I don't know. It's hard to describe. Its nose is a red horn. It has a mouth, but it doesn't talk at all. And then last but not least, it has like a, a rainbow colored clown wig on its head. Not sure who this character is or or really where it comes from or what its deal is, but it's here and it does not speak English. So I will be cutting in telling you what it's saying because it just honks its nose horn thing and then it shows on the screen what it's saying. So I will cut in and read that to you. God, I wanted him to see me say it. I wanted to say me over here. I said it. The clown head says, you fool. God, don't you just want to occasionally freak people out? Clown head says, he must never know. Oh, you got it, bud. You think he won't figure it out when his feet grow to the size of pontoons? Do you mock the clown society? Look, I'll handle this bingo. You just go back to your little midget car and your f***ing big feet and f***ing fly around, man. Okay, but I'm telling Sparkles. Well, good, that means you're leaving. Now freaking go, you stupid clown! All right, I apologize for that. I am not a trained voice actor, but it is what it is. We actually get some really interesting information there, similar to Broodwitch, where we see that there's a lot more going on behind the scenes. So we learn that this character's name is Bingo, this floating clown's head that just appears out of nowhere. And then it references a character named Sparkles, who we never see, I don't think ever comes into play at all, but we know in the Aqua Teen universe there is this character named Sparkles who is some sort of clown monster like this head who is off somewhere doing stuff that we just never know about. I actually think that's really cool. I, I, I love that, that there's just, you know, more, more to the situation than we will ever learn about. And what's going on really in the scene, of course, is you have the styrofoam head who's kind of cocky. You know, it, it wanted Carl to see him. It wanted to scare Carl. But the clown head, uh, or, or rather, sorry, Bingo, is like, oh, no, you can't do that, all this stuff. And they just get into a bit of a fight over this because the styrofoam head wants some credit here. We see, too, that styrofoam head doesn't really seem to be down with this. It doesn't care about clowns. It just wants to fuck shit up, I guess. That's all it's interested in is, is being a monster. Kind of the opposite of Willie Nelson from The Shaving, where he wasn't really interested in seeming scary or anything like that. Of course, the twist being that it was, or that Willie Nelson was. But here is the opposite. We have the styrofoam head who wants to be scary, but isn't being allowed to be. I want to mention now that Bingo does come back in the last episode of this season, the last one, but the styrofoam head doesn't, which is kind of... Just interesting because we really see the styrofoam head more than we actually see Bingo. But all right, on to the important bit from that scene. It is revealed that this wig, obviously, I mean, we can figure out, it's it's not just a normal wig. What's happening is Carl is going to turn into a clown because he is wearing the wig. His feet are going to grow larger, it is referenced. So we as the viewer now kind of know what's going on in this episode. You really thought there was going to be an episode just about Carl having nice hair? <laughs> yeah, right. But that doesn't mean we aren't going to see some moments with Carl, with his nice hair, and his newfound confidence. Because in our next 
seen here, we are finally going to get our first true female character in Aqua Teen. She is credited on this episode as Carl's girlfriend on the Aqua Teen Hunger Force fandom wiki. She's just labeled as whore, which I am not crazy about because she's not credited as that here. And I'm just going to call her Carl's girlfriend. And this is the only time, to my knowledge, that this character will speak in the show, but she will show up many times throughout the show in various episodes in various seasons. Carl's girlfriend is an older woman. She has this kind of blown out blonde hair, big golden hoop earrings. She is wearing uh, like a maroon kind of tube top just covering her breasts. But uh, I mean, not the whole thing. You can still see quite a bit of cleavage with this outfit, as well as a very small kind of purple plum colored skirt. I suppose it's supposed to be kind of shiny, maybe. And then she has on dark purple high heels. So this character, she is showing a lot of skin, and because she is old, she is just, you know, kind of wrinkly, and, you know, just, just normal stuff that happens to the body as it ages. On top of that, this character, she is smoking a cigarette, so you might hear some of that in the audio. Our establishing shot for this scene is Carl and his girlfriend standing outside the front of his house, which again is destroyed by termites, so it's such an absurd scene. Carl with this hair, he's with a woman, and this house is just in shambles. Let's jump in and see how Carl explains all of this. So, uh, this is just, you know, one of my many, many rental properties. I'm a rich man. <laughs> Come on in. Let's see where this 12-pack takes us. Hey, fella! Someone's trying to break in a Carl's house! That is Carl Meatwad. Oh, that person got a woman. A woman? A woman! <laughs> Hang on, let me shave! Damn it, how do I shave? <laughs> Master Shake doesn't need to shave, at least right now. Let's wait till the end of the episode and see if that is still the case. Kind of a lot going on here. So, obviously we had our first female speaking role. We'll get to that. I want to mention that Carl says, let's see where this 12-pack takes us. We can see he's not holding a 12-pack. He's holding a six-pack. Well, a six-pack of beer, of course. So funny discrepancy there. Then, of course, we get the cut to the Aqua Teen's house where I guess Meatwad was just spying outside looking out the window, which doesn't really make sense. I don't know how he would really seek the front of Carl's house from uh, the window that Meatwad is sitting at, but he sees it somehow and kind of tattles to the rest of the family and they all have their reactions to it. So, okay, finally, an hour in, let's move on to this exclusive information that I told you I had for you. Carl's girlfriend is voiced by Hayden Ward. If you look at her IMDb page, you're not going to see much. You're going to see this episode of Aqua Teen. She did a voice in something called That Crooked Sip, which was an abandoned, basically, Adult Swim show, a cartoon, I guess. Never really heard of it before. And then she is thanked on the 1996 episode of Space Ghost Coast to Coast called Love Sick. And that's really it. That's all that I could find on her. Now, me being a dummy, I didn't realize this episode had a commentary track until I started recording the episode. So when I said I couldn't find anything about her before, there actually was some information about her on the commentary track. But luckily, I've got more information for you than what is provided there. So Hayden Ward went to high school with Dave Willis. And not only were they friends in high school, but they actually dated in high school. However, when Aqua Teen was made, Dave Willis was already with his wife, or at least who would become his wife. Her name is Lisa. And you will notice in the intro of the show on one of the walls is spray painted Lulu, which is Dave's nickname for Lisa or just her nickname in general. So it's not like Hayden and Dave were dating at this point. They just stayed friends. 
this would have been about 15 years after Dave Willis graduated from high school, just to give you an idea of how long they were friends for. Now, I told you at the beginning that Hayden Ward was basically responsible for the success that Aqua Teen had, and I will tell you how. At some point, Hayden and her sister Ashley moved to New York City. Hayden's sister, Ashley, she went to a university called Webster University, which is located in Webster Groves, Missouri. All right, Ronnie, why are you talking about Hayden's sister and the college she went to? Well, Ashley wasn't the only one who went to that university. A man by the name of Dana Snyder also went to that university and presumably became friends with Ashley. After college, both Dana Snyder and Ashley moved to New York City. Now, I don't think at the same time or they collaborated this. They just both ended up moving there and I assume stayed friends. Hayden was living in New York City as well. And as you would expect, her and her sister were living in the same city and they probably talked. They probably hung out. And at some point, Hayden met Ashley's friend, Dana Snyder. Well, come 2000, Dave Willis is trying to find someone to do the voice for Master Shake on Aqua Teen, so he calls up his friend, his old girlfriend, Hayden Ward, asking her if she knows anybody in New York City who might fit the bill, and Hayden Ward suggests Dana Snyder. So you may have heard this story in some capacity of, yeah, a friend recommended Dana. That friend was Hayden Ward. But not only that, I noticed, hey, wait a second. Both these women, their last name is Ward. Who else's last name is Ward who works on this show? Huh. Well, you know what? MC Chris's real name is Chris Ward. So I reach out to MC Chris asking if he is related to Hayden. And Chris says no, but both Hayden and Chris worked in the ticket booth at the UCB Theater in New York City around 2000 because MC Chris was living in New York as well. I doubt you will remember, but back in the MCP Pants episode I did, I read some interviews from MC Chris from 2004, and he tells this story saying that he first met Dave Willis in a bar because he was friends with a girl that Dave knew from Georgia. So it's because of Hayden Ward that not only Dana Snyder got on Aqua Teen, but she is responsible for MC Chris ever meeting Dave Willis, which led to MC Chris working on C-Lab and then Aqua Teen Hunger Force. So there you have it. Hayden Ward, the unsung matchmaker of Aqua Teen, and I guess in a way C-Lab, because MC Chris also played a big role on that show as well. MC Chris actually said something to me that really kind of just sums up how I feel about Hayden. Chris says, had she not done those introductions, it most likely would have not been such a success given Dana's performance is really what makes the show. He improvised a lot and a lot of what he says gets used. He's why the show was funny. Had he not been cast, it may have gone the way of Brack. I totally agree with MC Chris here that, of course, without Dana Snyder, this show wouldn't work. I, I really do believe that. And Chris is selling himself short here because also I feel like without MC Chris, remember, Chris was a production assistant on all these episodes in season two, as well as a few of them in season one. And he voices one of the biggest characters in the show. Without MC Chris, this show wouldn't have been as good as it was. I can't say I know what happened to Hayden after this episode of Aqua Scene. Of course, she went on to do that 2007 uh, Crooked Sips failed Adult Swim pilot thing. But after that, I don't really know what happened to her. And it's not really my place. I, I would assume she doesn't want to be in the spotlight, and that is why. 
However, I did end up seeing her Facebook page. I didn't go looking through it or anything like that. But look, if you put something online that's publicly available, that's easy to find, well, people might see it. And it looks like she's happy. Looks like she's got a beautiful family and things are going well for her, which is exactly what I would hope for the person almost solely responsible for my favorite show existing in the state that it does. So remember, throughout this episode, when you're hearing this character... She's not just a voice actress, she is the reason that this show really exists and the reason that we're talking about it today. Before we move on, I do want to go back to Hayden's sister Ashley, the one who met Dana Snyder in college. Ashley is still an actress, and she actually went on to be in an episode of Aqua Teen, the season four episode Robo Sitter. So we will really get into Ashley's career once we hit up that episode, because she goes on to be in an episode of Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, which of course has a lot of the same cast and crew as Aqua Teen. And she is, you know, still doing big things to this day. So we'll talk more about Ashley later. I don't want to undersell her part in this whole story because if it wasn't for her, Hayden never would have met Dana Snyder. And then Dana Snyder would not have met through Hayden, Dave Willis. So thank you to both of the Ward sisters for everything that they did for the show. And of course, thank you to Ned Hastings, who I have heard Dave Willis refer to as the Aqua Teen Historian. Ned really proved that. Very friendly guy. I really appreciate him taking the time to get this information for me and to fact check this and get more information from Dave. And thank you to the always cool MC Chris for telling me about his relationship with Hayden, how they met, and how she helped him get on the show as well. So, all right, that is the story of Hayden Ward. I'm so glad I was able to tell some of it. And let's jump back into our episode now. The Aqua Teens are jealous that Carl's got a girl over. And we cut inside Carl's house where his girlfriend, she is sitting on the couch and Carl's putting on a little show for her. He is headbanging and playing air guitar for her. Solo. Oh baby. <laughs> That's rocking. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote that. It's called I Wanna Rock Your Body. And then in parentheses it says to the break of dawn. That's beautiful. It's like poetry. I wanna rock your body, baby. We get this absolutely just I'm sorry, but disgusting animation of Carl basically mounting this woman. She's sitting on the couch. He just kind of jumps on top of her. Just it's a very, very strange drawing, but very funny. They did a great job on it. It's really fun to see inside Carl's house at this point because, again, he's got a termite problem. So we can see outside while we're in the house. We see the termites are starting to eat his lampshade. Just all sorts of destruction. But his girlfriend here, she doesn't really seem to mind too much. I also love that she is entertaining him doing this like she's letting him just do this whatever he is doing it's so bizarre to me but uh, she's into it and i think that's pretty cool we also get great animations of carl just shaking his hair around he is really getting into this i want to point out on the aqua teen hunger force fandom wiki in the trivia section it says when carl is doing his air solo i want to rock your body till the break of dawn pause the video and look real hard above carl's fake dreadlocks above them is part of a pop-up from interfection I'm not seeing that at all. What I do see is Carl's, he has, he has a poster of a football coach or something that is being eaten up by the termites. I think that's what this refers to. Of course, that's a poster that's, it's a poster. It, it wasn't a pop-up from that episode. I think whoever wrote that thought it was a pop-up, but I am not seeing a pop-up from Interfection in this scene whatsoever. 
I have to wonder if the song that Carl, or rather Dave Willis, is singing here, if that's supposed to be a reference to a real song. I am not recognizing it. I did go and listen to the Judas Priest song, Screaming for Vengeance, thinking maybe that's what he was ripping off. But I don't hear a similarity between the two. So I don't know if this is just a Dave Willis original composition, or if he is actually singing some song that Carl is supposed to like that he's stealing as his own. I don't have that vast of a musical knowledge. So if you happen to know, hey... What Carl is singing here sounds like this other song. Please let me know. I like seeing what Carl does to impress chicks. And of course, it's assumed this character is a prostitute. I think it's kind of cute that Carl's trying to impress her, though. He's he's definitely acting different than he was pretending to in the mirror when he's like, you know, hey, hey, bitch, stand and deliver or whatever. He's not talking to her like that. So I like that aspect. On the commentary for this episode, Dave Willis says that he is hoping to write a female character that isn't a complete whore, but he doesn't know if they are capable of doing that, and then Matt Malero chimes in saying, we can't write for women. So, uh, Dave, you know, he wants to do better, and eventually they do. They do have uh, more normal women characters on the show, but it's not happening anytime soon. Real quick to address Svetlana in the Mail Order Bride episode, who is, of course, played by Rita McGrath, who I still don't have information on. I, I will wait to ask Dave about that or Matt when I get to speak to one of them. I don't consider her a real character because she's not speaking any sort of real language. It's just any sort of fill-in female character voice. If she was actually speaking Chechen or whatever language Svetlana is supposed to be speaking, then I, I would count it because you would be able to see what she's actually saying. But this character isn't really saying anything. And of course, there is more to voice acting than just saying words. She, you know, Rita does a great job with, with her inflection and everything and getting across how the character is feeling. But Svetlana in that episode is really just a plot device. She doesn't interact with the characters in a meaningful way. All she does is lock herself in Carl's house and scream at them and then steal Carl's car. So that is really it. So to me... In my mind, it's hard to count that as a real character. That's just my personal preference. Of course, it doesn't really matter. None of this matters. Lastly, on the visuals, I want to say that the smoke effect on Carl's girlfriend's cigarette is really cool, really well done, so props to them on that. But getting back into our scene here, we are not the only ones watching Carl make out while crouching over his girlfriend. The Aqua Teens are watching through the holes in the wall as well. Hey, take a shirt off! Shut up, man, she's gonna do it. Let's go, let's see some scan! <laughs> let me see, I wanna see You're not mature enough. Twist those <laughs> dirty bags! Don't you worry. I'm getting rid of them right now. No. Hey, see if they want to join us. <laughs> <laughs> Jackpot! I knew there's something special about you, and I'm not just saying that because you're a whore. <laughs> but you are a total whore. As you can hear, Carl's girlfriend, she wants to get the Aqua Teens involved, and Carl thinks that's cool. He's kind of into that, although he's not into actually doing it, but he likes her attitude about it. Master Shake saying twist those dirty bags is definitely a highlight of the episode. In the commentary, Dana could have been joking here. I feel like he was kind of serious, though. He says that he felt uncomfortable when language gets too vulgar on the show in this instance. Of course, we are early on in the show's run before vulgar language becomes more commonplace. But also, it's suggested that Dana Snyder ad-libbed that line because they're saying in the commentary that that wasn't in the script. So he's uncomfortable with it, but he also is the one that came up with it. But it's just really funny. And what makes it even funnier is the juxtaposition between Shake yelling, twist those dirty bags. Right before that, he's telling Meatwad he can't see what's going on because Meatwad isn't mature enough. But then he'll say something like that right in front of Meatwad, which is just a horrible thing to say in front of somebody who's supposed to be a kid. 
I also like that Shake acknowledges that Meatwad is young, but then he still picks on him and abuses him the way that he does. So if you will remember in our previous clip there, Carl's girlfriend said that th that they should invite the Aqua Teens over and, you know, have a, have a party together. And Shake is going to follow up on that because Carl doesn't really answer the question. But Carl's going to come outside to talk to the Aqua Teens and we will hear a sound effect and we will see now his wig is no longer a, a darker color, but it is in fact bright red. So we see the clowning is taking effect and then during this clip you'll hear another sound effect and Carl's feet will grow huge because, you know, clowns, they wear big shoes. Hey! The lady asked you a question, Carl! No, 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 no. That ain't happening here. Why not? Red? Red? Where's that coming from? You know, Carl, sometimes uh, hair dyes can be dangerous. I mean, are you sure that thing is FDA approved? Yeah, hair dyes. Yeah, I'm Duran Duran. What are you freaking talking about? Well, it looks like you might be having a reaction to it. I don't color my hair. I ain't no fruit. And I'm about to prove it to you. <laughs> so you'll watch if you want, because I think she kind of gets off on it. Damn it. Carl unable to walk because his feet are so large. Now, he's just denying that his hair is red. Uh, of course, he would be able to see this. The hair is very long, so he would be able to see it on his sides and everything. I love you when you see Carl with the red hair now, they're not trying to hide his normal hair. So you see he has this bright red wig on, but then we also see his normal kind of balding hair on the sides underneath the wig. It's a nice touch. He just looks so ridiculous. In that clip, Carl says, yeah, I'm Duran Duran when they are saying that he uh, dyes his hair. Duran Duran are a UK new wave band, and some of the guys in that band wore makeup and lipstick, and they were all fashionable looking guys. However, nobody in the band has ever announced that they were gay, and they all have wives or have been in you know several long-term relationships with women. Of course, that doesn't rule anything out, but they are a band that a lot of people would, would call fruity or gay, and I don't think that's really the case. I think they just know what they're doing in that marketing department. At some point during that clip, we don't see it, but Frylock somehow gets two strands of Carl's red hair so that he can examine them in his lab. So we will see Frylock holding those strands, and then we will see Carl back inside now. His girlfriend has fallen asleep, and she had her cigarette, and her cigarette ended up on the couch because, you know, it's still in her hand, and it's, it's starting a small fire in Carl's home. But Carl doesn't seem to be bothered about this. He's ready just to get it on and prove that he is not like Duran Duran. We will see that Carl doesn't care that she's asleep. And then we get like a little bit of a humping animation from Carl on her, which is not cool, right? She's asleep. She can't give consent to this. But uh, uh, Carl, he just can't wait anymore, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Shake wants to stick around and watch. But Shake quickly realizes that that is not enjoyable whatsoever. Hmm, there's something wrong with that wig. Hey! Wake up! Drink your beer. Make you feel better, baby. <laughs> we need to check it out. Let's go. No way, I'm checking this out. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, yeah. Moles? Yeah. All right, wait for me. Yeah. Like yeah. a negative planetarium on that thing. Because she's got all those moles. I'll do it. Get to work with me on this. It don't make me laugh, but I'll do it. <laughs> all right. I'm, you know you guys take the fun out of living? I have to wonder if that was in the script or if Dana Snyder was ad-libbing and then they just used that audio and kind of played around with it. I really am not sure there. The joke being that a planetarium, you will see uh, what is, you know, the night sky essentially. And that is, is dark. It is black with little dots of white around it. Well, he's saying that this woman... She is white with just black dots all over because of the moles that she has. 
I noticed a new little prop inside Carl's house that wasn't there before, and that is a beer can that was spilled over, and there is beer all over the carpet now. And this beer can is very clearly a different style of art than the ones that are normally on the show. So that's kind of funny. They needed a spilled beer can, and it's clearly just some other asset that they've never used before. In the commentary track on this one, there is some sort of allusion to there having been made a dirtier version of this scene. I, I guess a sex scene was made or something along the lines of it with Carl and his girlfriend. They kind of talk about it and joke about it in the commentary. But as far as I know, it's never seen the light of day. And I think that's that's for the best because I don't want to see that. I assume this wasn't made for the episode. I think it was just one of the animators or, or somebody who worked on the show getting naughty, having some fun, and making something meant to make everybody else laugh. Moving to our next scene now, the plot is really going to progress. We open in on Frylock looking into a microscope because he's analyzing the hair that he took from Carl's head. And we see in the background, it looks maybe to be real sort of bacteria or something. But we see this kind of clown car, and then there's a bunch of little clowns inside of it, and they all come out. It's like clown heads. These are supposed to be bacteria or something, but again, it looks like a clown car, and it looks like little clowns. This, according to the commentary, was done by Nick Inkatanawat, a production assistant on the show, who later goes on to be a producer on Aqua Teen. We've talked about Nick before, so I'm not going to get too far into it here, but I thought it was cool that, that they talked about on the commentary how he actually made that. And he's like, yeah, you know, for, for two seconds or something like that, it shows on screen, but he worked so hard on it for a very long period of time. But it does pay off because this little animation is actually really nice. Frylock is going to tell Shake, here, take a look at this. And Shake, because <laughs> he's an idiot... He's going to pick up the microscope and just kind of look at the microscope itself. He's not going to look into it to see the hair sample. He just looks at the microscope. You will hear the slide on the microscope, which has the hair piece. That, that's going to fall off onto the ground because Shake just picks it up. And Shake will just seem kind of disinterested in all of this. At some point, it will show Shake just laying on the ground reading a magazine. Oh my god, just as I thought. Shake, take a look at this. Ah. Uh. It's a classic case that's by the book. He's, he's got it, doesn't he? That's right. This hair possesses a strain of galactic DNA from the clownocillus organism. Yes, I know that. I could have told you that out on the lawn. But what does it mean? It's bacteria shake, an ancient and rare bacteria. And the wig that Carl has is full of... Put that down. I'm listening. Just because I'm not looking at you doesn't mean I'm not listening, Frylock. Okay, well, look. It makes the feet larger discolors the hair, and splotches the skin. Symptoms include juggling, riding a unicycle, and talking with a horn. Now, does that sound like anything you know? Sure, I will in a minute. Did you hear what I just said? <laughs> I have to, because I get yelled at if I don't. <laughs> and then I'll get an F. When Frylock says to put that down in the clip, that is is shake he is trying to balance the microscope on one of Frylock's, uh, like, atom models or something like that, a, a molecule model or something. So Shake, you know, as you can hear, he's just kind of playing around. He's not really listening at a certain point. He's kind of acting like he knows what's going on. He's trying to seem intelligent, but also he doesn't care. Uh, not a whole lot to say about that clip other than that Frylock says that the bacterium is from the Clownocillus organism. So I suppose that's what Bingo is. I, I guess he would be a Clownocillus organism. Not entirely sure there how that works. I think it's cool that this is a part of this universe, this clownocillus organism, this bacteria. We never knew about it until now. I think that's kind of cool that there's, you know, more to this world 
in in the case of the show that we don't know about and that we won't know about. But I also think it's cool that Frylock can quickly identify this. He understands this. I just like when they portray Frylock as this very competent scientist. I think it's pretty cool. And it's in line with his character, the character that they present early on in the show. Because as you know, when they present Frylock as being too gullible, too stupid, then I don't really buy it. So I like when they use him in this way. That was kind of a slow, chill scene. That's going to be quickly broken up now by Carl's girlfriend. We will hear her screaming next door. We will see outside. She runs out of Carl's house, and, and there's just a... It's, it's, it's nicely animated. It is uh, maybe a little pervy because her, her boobs are bouncing, as you would expect. I mean, that is realistic, but it's like more animation than we're used to seeing in the show, I guess. That's my point. She is running away, and then we see Carl chase after her, and he is sitting in this little clown car. Again, his feet are huge. He's got this red wig on but the wig has changed because it is no longer just down kind of like a mullet kind of look it is now more in a typical clown style hairdo where it's sticking up it's all crazy he has a red mustache as well and you can see he's getting these purple splotches on his skin also his body hair is turning red too and yeah he's just sitting in this little clown car driving after her <laughs> don't go away you going I was just getting ready to rock your world. What's going on? Carl, let her go. You're highly infectious. Carl, I'm afraid you've been clowned. Yeah, I thought my flip-flops felt a little tight. <laughs> so that's a nice visual joke because his feet are ginormous and these flip-flops are really tiny little things on his feet now. I want to point out the music that is playing when Carl comes out in his car. That song is called The Big Finish and it is composed by Frank Mizzen and Chris Norton. Thank you to Video Killed the Radio Star over on YouTube, as always, for identifying all this Aqua Teen production music. Back to Carl's little clown car. It is red and it has eyes. I don't think it's actually sentient or alive or anything like that, but it's a very funny car drawing. And Carl is also wearing yellow shorts. I, I don't know if these are supposed to be his boxers or what. So we move to our next scene now where they are back in Frylock's room, back to the lab, and we have Carl out of his clown car now. I like that they had that clown car made just for that one scene because I don't think we see it again for the rest of the episode. Carl is in Frylock's room and, and we see him juggling some of some of the things in Frylock's room. We have the Bohr Atomic model, we have their camcorder, and then we also have Jiggle Billy's body, which is very funny. That will pop up in the show from time to time. It's always a pleasure when it does. During the scene, you will hear Shake throw in the microscope as well so that Carl is juggling all four of these things. And I want to shout out my sister-in-law, Heather, because she can juggle. I don't know how. The last visual thing in this upcoming clip is they will show Carl what he looks like because he hasn't seen himself yet. So they hold up a pink mirror, a little handheld mirror to Carl, and then he realizes what needs to be done. Carl, if you want me to help you, you need to please set those down. They're very expensive. I, fr I, fr I freaking can't. I, 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 I need to do and this. And the microscope for, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Put those down. Carl, it's your wig. We need to destroy that wig. No, we will not do that. It gave me confidence and almost sex. Have you seen it lately, Carl, huh? Oh, yeah. Get rid of that. Please get it off my head. Carl understands why it needs to go. You know, I looked into clowns just now because I don't really know a whole lot about clowns. I know what they look like. I know the general idea. I know that sometimes people dress up as scary clowns for Halloween. I've seen it parts one and two and the original. Okay. So I know a little bit about clowns, 
but really not that much. I don't really know the history. So I looked up a little bit. I guess clowns date back to 2400 BC in the 5th dynasty of Egypt. But the big piece of information that I really enjoyed learning was that the roles throughout history, the roles of priest and clown have often been held by the same person. That clowning held some sort of some sort of socio-religious and psychological role to society. And it's just, you know, these are things that I don't think about on the day-to-day. And going with modern times, just the role that comedy and entertainment play on us is very important, and, and people seem to quickly realize that. Modern clowns, though, the clowns we are used to, I guess, date back to the 1700s, though. That's kind of when they started to find their root. And, and the English word clown was first recorded circa 1560. I'm vaguely aware that being a clown back then, especially like in the 1700s, 1800s, was a bigger deal and that it was taken very seriously. And this is just stuff that I need to look into more and kind of see what it's all about. Because growing up, I never really cared about clowns. Uh, I know obviously they do birthday parties and stuff, but I know it, it was more of a serious thing. So I would be interested to learn more about that. But all right, moving on here, they got to do something about this wig. It won't come off. So Frylock, he pulls out these huge hedge clippers and cuts off a part of Carl's hair. And this causes Carl pain. You will hear him yell. And then the hair just grows back. Now, the important part here is that the hair that they cut off falls onto Meatwad's head. Now, this doesn't make sense to me that they don't do anything about this. They just let this stay on Meatwad's head. I mean, Shake doing this, I'm not surprised. But Frylock, I don't understand why he doesn't do anything about this. He's, he looks at Meatwad, he talks to Meatwad in this next clip, and he doesn't do anything about it because, spoiler, Meatwad will now turn into a clown as well. So I can't believe that they just don't try and stop this whatsoever. Kind of weird. And then lastly, Shake will pull out a chainsaw. Actually, the, the same chainsaw we saw in the episode Super Sirloin, not the same chainsaws from the shaving, mind you. That chainsaw, he will throw it into Carl, who is still juggling in Frylock's room because they'll step out of Frylock's room into the hallway. And Shake will throw the chainsaw back into, into Frylock's room where Carl is still juggling. And then you will hear some commotion because of that. Here we go. Ah! What the? Damn. Oh, that hurts! Hang on, Carl. I'll be right back. Don't worry. I know what I'm doing. I have no freaking idea what I'm doing. <laughs> the flamethrower. I'll go get it. <laughs> oh, no, I like this Carl. He's funny. What we need to do is have us a fun party. You know what I mean? Yes. We can rent him out for parties. Can I go to the party? Well, I don't know. Can you afford Kylozo? Shut up, Shake. This is serious. You don't even know how to party. And five, ladies hey, and Poor Carlozo. Uh, it seems like four is his max in terms of juggling. I want to shout out the animators here. This is a nice juggling animation, by the way. It looks really good. But uh, the chainsaw, that's the straw that broke the camel's back. Meatwad likes Carlozo. He likes him this way because he's he's nice to Meatwad. And then Shake, of course, he, he's thinking about the dollar dollar. He's like, oh, we could rent them out for parties and make some cash. But then, you know, Shake throws in that chainsaw, which... Uh, would hurt Carlozo, you would think, so then he wouldn't be able to go out and do parties. We heard, though, Frylock said he doesn't really know what he's doing anymore. Like, he could identify what this was, and, and he kind of understood it, but he doesn't know how to cure it, which is understandable. So poor Frylock here, he's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. I wonder if he just didn't even bother taking the hair off Meatwad's head because he knew that Meatwad was going to become a clown as well regardless. 
But at the same time, he never even reacted to it falling on Meatwad's head. So still, just doesn't make any sense to me. After Shake threw the chainsaw into Frylock's room for Carl to juggle, Shake slams the door. So the door is closed now, and the Aqua Teens are going to continue talking in the hall. We get a nice little visual thing here where Meatwad tells Frylock to use his time machine to save Carl. And when saying that, Meatwad is yanking on Frylock's beard, which I really like. It's just this little visual touch that we don't normally get in Aqua Teen. It's kind of a nice uh, eye cleanser after seeing Carl hump on the woman passed out on his couch. Things start to get out of control, though, in this next clip because Meatwad will very quickly turn into a clown himself. And his clown design is very funny. I love this little Meatwad clown design. He is basically white with a red clown nose. And then for some reason, he has human ears, which are which are pink. And then he has orange hair. It's kind of uh, just combed down the middle. He has a middle part there with kind of long orange hair. He has a little tiny boulder hat on with a little sunflower coming off of it. Very cute. And then lastly, underneath Meatwad, we have what is called, I guess, neck ruffle, which you would typically see on a clown, you know, that kind of ruffly material around their neck. And it is a, a light blue color. So we have our clown Meatwad now. Frylock's going to react to that. And then Carl will come out of the room no longer being able to speak. He is holding a, a little horn because as said earlier in the episode, eventually the person becoming a clown will only be able to speak with a horn. That's the case with Carl now. So I'll pop in and tell you what he says. He Well, I'll tell you now. He says, please God, kill me. And he is holding a green balloon that he twisted into the shape of a shotgun. He holds it up right to his face and then says, please God, kill me. So a lot going on in this clip. I feel like that's really the case with most of this episode. There's a lot of visual stuff going on. So I apologize for that. But again, let's jump into this clip. Meatwad, I want to point out, is normal at first. We will hear him transform into a clown, and then Carl will come out as well. Hey, use that time machine. That work? <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Use the time machine. We don't have a time machine. Oh. <laughs> I feel kind of funny. Like, haha, funny. Oh my god, it's pretty faster than I thought. <laughs> So that is Carl. Please, God, kill me. There is something I want to touch on there. So they talk about a time machine, and then Frylock's like, I don't have a time machine. I like, you know, Meatwad brings it up, and then Shake's like, yeah, that's what I said. Use the time machine. In the commentary, Dave Willis said this. Once we do a time machine, that will be a sign of the creative death of our show. Well, unfortunately, six years later, in season six, episode six, that episode is called time machine there's also a reference to a time machine in the 2007 film or they, they actually have one they do time travel in that film when they go back to visit the plutonians as well as in the beginning but that stuff didn't happen and i feel like i miss i feel like there's other time machines throughout the show so uh kind of unfortunate there but all right, in that last clip, we had Meatwad turning into a clown and then Carl suicidal. He can no longer speak. Frylock, the only thing he can think to do right now is a brand new power that we've never seen him do. He is going to shoot some lasers out of his eyes at Carl, which will then freeze Carl. Okay, that's it. What? We'll just freeze him until I can figure out a cure. So we have Meatwad looking sad when Frylock does this, and then Meatwad backs up. So the way that I interpret this is Meatwad not really being sad about Carl getting frozen, but he's afraid the same thing will happen to him, and we will dive a little bit more into that in a second here. So moving on with the episode, Frylock in that clip obviously just said 
He will freeze Carl until he figures out what to do. Well, we're about to get a Schoolie D cut and a time lapse. We are going 67 years into the future. 67 years into the future, bitch. I love how they convey that it's 67 years into the future. Instead of just a, a title card or something, they, they bring in Schoolie D to do that. I think that's very cool. We actually got a really cool visual there. So we're 67 years in the future. We get an establishing shot of the Aqua Teens house, but we're in the future. Uh, this looks to be way more than 67 years from 2003. Although I guess who knows, maybe 2070 could look like that. But the entire background is different behind their house. It's this futuristic landscape. And the Aqua Teens house looks to be on some sort of island type thing, but there's no water. It's literally like all the ground around their house is missing. So I guess Carl's house is gone, but although that would have been gone anyways because the termites ate it. And their house is surrounded by this chain link fence with barbed wire around the top. And there are a bunch of shadowy figures trying to break in and fighting off those shadowy figures we have these giant cannons on the top of the Aqua Teens house that are shooting out lasers at these people trying to break in. A side note here, I like that in Frat Aliens, Carl, in whatever year Aqua Teen is supposed to take place, I assume 2003, Carl in that episode had a more high-tech security system than the Aqua Teens do in 2070, although I suppose that could just be chalked up to the Aqua Teens not having any money. And that's not to say that their security system isn't doing the job. It clearly is. It's, it's, it's able to fight off these shadowy figures. But just the fact that they have a chain link fence and Carl had a laser grid fence. Something I really like about this episode is all of the new stuff they made for it. All these new assets like the, the microscope stuff that Nick and Katana Watt did. This short snippet outside the Aqua Teen's house. Carl being in that little car. All these things that are shown on screen for very, very short amounts of time. Because in our next clip now, we are cutting inside the Aqua Teen's house. Which the inside of their house looks exactly the same. Except for two things. One, we have the frozen Carl there who still has the shotgun or the balloon shotgun pointed at his eyes. He's still frozen exactly like he was in 2003, except they are using him now as a coat rack. He has all sorts of jackets and sweaters on him as well as a top hat and another little hat as well. So they're just throwing stuff on him. The joke here being, you know, uh, the cut between Frylock saying, oh, I'll fix him when I know what to do. And now it's 67 years later and they still haven't fixed Carl yet. He's still frozen. So that is the one difference there. We have Carl as a, a, a fixture, a set piece now for the Aqua Teens. But also there is a clone of the green chair now, which of course we know Frylock has a cloner. We saw that in the third episode of the series, Bus of the Undead. So I guess it's not too shocking, but we have Frylock here sitting in one chair, Shake sitting in the other, and both of them are aged up 67 years. They both look much older. Frylock, he's only got five fries left in his box. He's very wrinkly. He's got glasses now, and his mustache and beard are very long. Shake, on the other hand, he, he's a, kind of a weird shape now for a cup, all kind of curvy, and he has a little walker in front of him, which is very cute. Shake also has this long gray hair growing out the sides of his head, on the commentary, they speculated that that was hair, but J. Wade Edwards comes in saying that he thinks it's supposed to be Shake's eyebrows. So that's kind of a fun, um, maybe throwback reference to earlier in the episode when Shake says, how do I shave or something along those lines? Because at that moment, he did not need to shave, but now he does because now we can see he gets these long hairs. Or you know what? Maybe he was shaving all along. He always had these hairs 
But when he was younger, it was easier to maintain. Who knows? So we have Frylock and Shake sitting here. They are watching TV, and the show that they are watching is the bowling show that we first saw in Universal Remonster. And I go all into deleted scenes information about that in the Universal Remonster episode. So go back and listen to that if you haven't heard it, because there's a lot of interesting information that I dug up on the bowling alley that they filmed in and all sorts of other stuff. Head on to my Instagram. That would be Instagram.com slash AquatinePod to see behind-the-scenes footage of the guys making this bowling footage for the show. Again, apologies. There's so much visual stuff going on in this one, so I know it's a lot of explanation. I've got one more thing to explain, and that is we will see an old version of Clown Meatwad roll up. He's on this motorized unicycle, which is very, very funny. Unicycle, you know, being like a bike, but with one tire. But this one's motorized because he's an old man now. He can't ride it himself normally anymore. To describe older Clown Meatwad, it's actually really creepy looking. For some reason, his lips are green now. I don't know why, because when he was younger, his lips were not green. So I don't know why they suddenly are. But his face just looks all messed up now because he's old. And instead of having his bright orange hair on the top of his head, he seems to be bald on the top of his head. But then he has a, a really muted dark orange hair around the sides of his head. Then he has a little curl uh, like right above his forehead. So he's got a little bit of hair left. Funny that he has hair on the sides of his head now, kind of like Carl does. But when we saw young clown Meatwad, he did not have hair on the sides of his head. So I guess it just migrated, which would make sense. He's a ball of meat. So maybe over time it just moved down. I don't know. Instead of his cute little boulder hat with a flower on it, he's wearing what looks like a golf cap. It is orange and green. And then because he is a clown now, Meatwad cannot speak. He has to use a horn to speak, and they have this little horn thing hooked up to his mouth so he can do his little uh, honking sounds. And I don't know if the Aquatines, the other Aquatines can understand him or not. Maybe they learned this language. I would imagine they did if they kind of rigged this for him to communicate with them. So Meatwad is going to roll into the scene at the very end and say, call the hospital. I done shattered my hip. And the last thing I need to explain to you, the last thing that really happens in this clip is that Carl, who is frozen, of course, falls over and shatters. And the old Aqua Teens will talk about it. That coat rack just broke. What? What? <laughs> I said your coat rack broke. Chet? Ken? What the hell was his name? Eat your own damn milk. <laughs> yeah. So that's Meatwad. Call the hospital. I done shattered my hip. The joke there is they don't even remember his name. They don't even know like who this was anymore. It's been so long. They just forgot about poor Carl. So in the commentary, Dana Snyder's like, well, why didn't they freeze Meatwad? They had to freeze Carl, but they didn't freeze Meatwad. I wonder if it's because Frylock would have felt too bad doing that because, again, when Frylock froze Carl, Meatwad rolled away and he looked kind of scared. So maybe he just really didn't want to be frozen. But also, Frylock froze Carl because Carl was becoming suicidal and it, it was becoming an issue. Uh, it's possible that Meatwad just was still Meatwad just as a clown and there wasn't the need to freeze Meatwad like they had to freeze Carl. 
We know that Meatwad doesn't have a brain, so maybe that plays a role in it. I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, I love how we get to see all the Aqua Teens as being older here. And we, of course, we have the old clown Meatwad. Again, they just put a lot of time and money into this episode. Uh, we normally don't get stuff like this where there's so many new assets, especially ones that are only shown for such a short amount of time. You would think, based on the show that we are used to at this point, the show that they are creating, if they're going to have new looks like this, then it's going to be for way more of the episode than just the very end. But that's the kind of money that Aqua Teen is, is being given at this point, I guess, which is still not much. Of course, don't get me wrong here. It's not like they have a huge production budget, but obviously it's, it's higher than it used to be because before they just wouldn't do stuff like this. But all right, our episode is actually not over. We have one more short clip, and that takes place at Dr. Weird's lab. Obviously, we've gotten this once before in the season one episode, Dumber Days, when we see that Dr. Weird steals Steve's brain. So that, like, that's how that episode ends. This episode is ending in a similar way. So we cut into Dr. Weird's lab now and we see Dr. Weird standing there next to Steve, but Steve is in clown form. So going off of what I said with all these new assets, we also get Steve in clown form. And not only is he in clown form, but he is frozen as well, which that doesn't make sense to me because once we get to the episode, the last one, it's almost implied that after you become a clown, you become frozen, but Carl only got frozen because Frylock froze him. Meatwad didn't get frozen. So it doesn't make sense here that Steve is frozen as well. I'm not sure why that's the case. But Steve is frozen. Dr. Weird is, is saying, and that's how the wig works. Meaning that he, you know, put it on Steve to show him how the clowning happens. And after that, we get the styrofoam head showing back up. And it will float up to Dr. Weird's head and whisper something into Dr. Weird's ear, but it doesn't actually say anything. Now, we know earlier in the episode, Matt Malero was, was speaking for this character, and it, it had a mouth, it had eyes and everything. It doesn't have any of that here, and I will explain why after the clip. But basically, it just floats up to Dr. Weird's head, and then Dr. Weird says, stop telling me to do things. And that's how the wig works. Well, you know, I mean, of course you know. Stop telling me to do things! So that is the end of the episode there. Uh, back to the clown Steve. It looks exactly like clown Carl. Just you can tell it's supposed to be Steve. He's got like the Steve uh, glasses on kind of and and just looks more like Steve. But it's, it's not like a complete different version. Like clown Meatwad is way different from clown Carl. It looks just like clown Carl, but as Steve. So on to why the styrofoam head acts way different here than it does in the episode. That is because... They were playing around a lot with this, and I think they just didn't have the budget or the time to go back and animate it and also have Matt Malero do voiceover for it. In the commentary, Dave Willis says that the ending was very debated and that it never really worked. Like, they never really got laughs with it, but for whatever reason, they kept it in the episode. And we can see really what I'm talking about in the Volume 3 DVD extras because we get a different version of this ending. And what it is, is the styrofoam head eats Dr. Weird... And then it starts spraying out blood for like 10 seconds. So they played around with all different endings for this. They really wanted to have some sort of Dr. Weird thing, but they couldn't quite get it to work. I like seeing it, but it, you know, it's not funny. It's not like a standout Dr. Weird moment. It's not as good as the ending to Dumber Dolls, I think, where Steve has his brain stolen. This just, it almost feels unnecessary. I'm surprised that they even did it, but I, I am glad it's there. You know, we only get so much Dr. Weird content, so I'm not going to be mad about it. So, all right, that is the clowning. 
Before I give you my final thoughts on this one, let's hop on over to the Anime Superhero Forum, which back in the day was called the Toon Zone Forum, and check out a thread from the very night that this episode premiered. User Beat gives us a really interesting comment that I did not consider. Beat says this, Dr. Weird was telling the story? That's the whole comment, and that's a really good... I, I, I wasn't even thinking about that. I don't know if that's supposed to be the case, but I definitely could see a theory for that. Because the episode ends with Dr. Weird saying, and that's how the wig works. So maybe he kind of was, but the, you know, the intro skit had nothing to do with this episode whatsoever. I think that if the intro skit had more to do with this episode, it would have supported that theory. So I'm not really sure, but that's definitely an interesting thing to think about. User Cyber E has this to say, the episode was mediocre for the most part. Pre-intro Dr. Weird was very weak. The episode itself delivered a few good jokes here and there, but for the most part, it was boring. Near the end, it got better, but once Dr. Weird made a second appearance, it just owned. He saved the entire episode. You, you know, I, I think people should have their opinions, but I do not understand this opinion whatsoever. I don't understand how you don't really like this episode up until the end with Dr. Weird. I feel like that was maybe the weakest part of the episode, but for Cyber E, that saved the episode. So we're just at completely different points here, but I'm glad that Cyber E ended up liking it a little bit more. User Turbo chimes in. Uh, a part of his comment says that he felt like the ending was was like one of C-Lab's punch-out endings with the Dr. Weird bit, which I don't know enough about C-Lab to chime in, but I do find that to be worth repeating. I don't know if it's true or not, of course, but it's worth saying here. Some really interesting discussion here is people are pointing out that this is very similar to an episode of Dexter's Laboratory called The Laughing. And it's basically the same idea. Dexter becomes infected with clown syndrome and terrorizes the town with his humor. Dexter's Laboratory was a show on Cartoon Network at this time. Now, we talked about it in the previous episode because it recently ended in our Aqua Teen timeline. But yeah, that episode came out in 98 where it's basically the same thing. And I would imagine that maybe that wasn't even the first time this kind of plot happened. It's not the most unique plot. And of course, you know, I'm not coming to Aqua Teen for unique plots. I'm coming to Aqua Teen for jokes and a good time. I want to see how those characters react to a situation. But really cool that people pointed that out. I, I, I didn't really catch that. I totally forgot about that episode. Otherwise, though, general thoughts on this one. For the most part, people liked it. There were a few people who did not like this one at all, but overall, people liked it on the anime superhero forum, or I should say the Toon Zone forum, because that's what it was called back in 2003. So if you want to check this thread out yourself, of course, comments the night that the clowning premiered. Check the show notes. It's right there for you. So, all right, moving on to my final thoughts now. I liked this one way more than I remembered liking it. I was really impressed with this one. I think the pacing is basically second to none. It's a very strong episode. We have a lot of the overarching, you know, clown element, but there's a lot of other stuff going on in the episode too. It's not just about the clown stuff. Of course, towards the end it is, but by the time it really gets all wrapped up in this clown stuff, the episode only has like two or three minutes left. And I was surprised by that. I figured that that stuff would have came in sooner into the episode, but I'm glad it didn't. I wouldn't change a thing. I really enjoyed this episode. And I'm trying to keep, you know, my podcasting stuff out of this because obviously I like this episode because I got to get all that information on Hayden and share her story and what she did for Aqua Teen. But as a viewer of this Aqua Teen episode, I really just like this one, especially, you know, I told you how I really liked 
meet wad talking about bobby trying to get bobby over there and, and there's just so many great moments from all the characters in this episode carl included it's a strong carl episode too they're not just busting him out for a joke and that's it he is a central part of the episode and it just feels like all the aqua teens really get to shine here we get our first female speaking role, which is a nice change of pace. It mixes things up. We get Matt Malero too, which is fun. And, and we just get all the lore about who, who is Sparkles? You know, who are, who are these clown creatures? We don't know. And I think that's really cool. And I'm surprising myself by saying that I am giving this episode five termites out of five. I did not expect that whatsoever going into this one, but that's how I'm feeling. I was just so impressed with this one, and you can tell this is everyone firing on all cylinders. They know what they're doing, and they just wrote a really great episode. Like I said, I think the ending is a little weak, but I don't think it's enough to actually dock it down from a five out of five. I just really love this episode. I don't think it's one that I would show somebody for the first time if you're trying to introduce somebody to Aqua Teen, even though there's a lot of really great jokes. I think it kind of takes some knowledge of the characters, and plus, seeing how Carl interacts with his girlfriend might put some people off from the show before you actually get to know Carl and the other characters. But yeah, overall, I'm just so impressed with this one. I really enjoyed this one. I, I, just, I enjoyed watching it for the podcast. I enjoyed researching it, everything. Great episode, 5 out of 5, and I hope you feel the same. In fact, why don't you let me know if you are on Twitter or Instagram, you could find me at AquatinePod. I always put posts up that correspond to these episodes. Feel free to, to drop in there and, and, and tell me what you think about this episode. I'd love to see it. That's it for me this week. Thank you for sticking with me. A bit of a longer one, but we got a lot of stuff to talk about here. So if you like this show, if you appreciate what I do, Please consider supporting the show over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden. I work the night shift at Target and I would like to do less of that and more of this so that I can produce better shows. I, I, I'll have more time to talk to people who worked on the show. And, you know, the more time I have to do that, the more time I have to think about this podcast and plan ahead, then the better the episodes turn out. So please consider supporting the show. If you can't support the show financially, just sharing the show, talking about the show, doing anything you can in your free time to get others to know about this show. You know, tell anybody that you know that likes Aqua Teen about it. And even just liking my stuff on social media, that helps get it in the algorithm more and helps more people see it. So, gotta shout out the homies here, the number one in the Hood G tier patrons. Sean, Ian, Keenan, Captain Buford, Brian, Robison, Carl, and Reverend Raven 46... You guys can borrow my Boston box set any day of the week. I'll see you next week when we dive into season two, episode 21, The Dressing. Bye-bye. All right, so as promised, here is the opening theme from Aqua Teen Forever Plantasm by Run the Jewels. This one produced by LP, who is a member of Run the Jewels. It is a duo of LP and Killer Mike. And you will also notice an MCP pants sample that is played throughout the song, which I absolutely love. You know, it's a shame MC Chris isn't in the film, but at least we have his voice in some capacity in this song here and then there's also in the song they will go into some characters from aqua Teen and they talk about mcp pants there so that was very very cool of them to do that uh, i i can't believe mcp pants isn't in this one but it is what it is 
And even if this song wasn't about my favorite show, I would still fuck with it. I think it's a great song. To tell you the truth, I don't really know that much about Run the Jewels. I don't really know that much of their music outside of a few songs. So I really do need to sit down and, and check their albums out. I believe they release all of their albums for free online, which is really sick. So yeah, here it is, the opening theme from Aqua Teen Forever Plantasm by Run The Jewels. You can find this, I believe, also on Spotify and anywhere else where you get music now as well, and YouTube. So enjoy. Super Negro, fuck with me wrong, I'm super lethal, super duper, we stay in some shit, like pooper 